God, thank you for how you do love us. God, I can't think of a single person that's so, that is more undeserving of your love than, than me standing right here. God, but because of your grace and your mercy and giving me what I don't deserve, God, you have poured out your love on me. Lavishly, you've poured out your love on me, and I am so incredibly thankful for it. God, thank you for the peace that comes with that love. Thank you for the peace that knows that eternity, God, is, eternity is full of love. If we put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ, then eternity can be full of love and connection with you. Father, thank you so much, God, for how uh, you continue to move in this place. Lord, thank you so much for your word, your precious word. God, everything that happens here is the result of your Holy Spirit and your word doing a great work. So, God, I pray that you would do another great work today, and we'd be sure to give you the praise and the glory for it all. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You can be seated. So we have continued a series for the past two weeks on the Holy Spirit. I think it's fitting that we do that immediately after Easter. Uh, we talked about the crucifixion of Jesus. We talked about the resurrection of Jesus at Easter. Uh, we talked about uh, how his disciples went off, and they were trying to figure out what's to come next, what's, what's next on the agenda, all right? So Jesus went to the cross. He predicted that would happen. He predicted that the Son of Man would be lifted up. He predicted that, that he would have to die, and on the third day he would rise again. He did all of that, and now he tells us to go and wait. He tells us to go and wait for the Comforter to come. He told them before he left, he said, it's better that I go so that the Comforter can come, that I can send him to you. And as we refer to the Holy Spirit, sometimes, admittedly, I get this messed up too. I refer to the Holy Spirit as it when indeed it is he, okay? So if you hear me mess that up, that's okay. You probably do the same, th same thing at some point in your life. Uh, we refer to the Holy Spirit as it, and indeed, it's really he, uh, because God is three in one, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're all one, even though they're distinctly separate. Now, if you want to come up here and try to explain the Trinity to me, I would be happy to let you have a microphone and we could spend some time talking about it. But uh, for now, for the sake of this conversation, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one, all together, all are physical beings. He, they're all uh, together in one, even though it's hard for us in our feeble minds to wrap our minds around that, right? So anyway, so the Holy Spirit is a he, he comes, and he literally comes in, in, in a physical form, in, in, in a, a tongue of fire is what it says, and descends on each of the disciples as they're sitting around praying together, getting ready for what is to come next. And we talked about what happens, and we talked about the fact that eventually what happens is these guys, they come outside and they just start, start talking. And Peter in particular, uh, I put this on Twitter, and some people saw it, some people didn't, so I'm going to repeat it up here because social media is not the best way to preach a sermon, but it does work sometimes. I put in there that, that Peter, he was filled up by the Holy Spirit, so he was filled up. Everybody was telling, telling the other folks, well, these guys are just drunk. That's the reason they're able to speak in these different languages and able to speak in your own native language. They're just drunk. They're just speaking gibberish. So Peter was fed up, and then he decided, well, I've got to tell everybody what's really going on here and the fact that this is a work of the Holy Spirit. This is a supernatural work that's happening here. So he stood up and he preached and some 3,000 people got added to the church that day. So what I said on Twitter was, Jesus was filled up, got fed up, so he stood up. And I, I thought that was pretty good. I was like, well, that's worth re me repeating on Sunday. So I thought I would go ahead and tell you that this morning, that that is what happened. So Peter, he got, he got like, he'd had enough. He said, let me tell you what's going on here. 
This is not a bunch of drunk guys standing up here talking a bunch of gibberish. These are guys that have been moved by the Holy Spirit, and, and God is doing something in this place, and you need to listen. And we said that repeatedly. Like, if you have got ears, you need to hear this. You have got to listen to what God is saying. That, that, and he goes back and he talks about these things and he talks about how you and D can be saved too and he talks about the crucifixion and he talks about what Jesus did and he tries to rationalize these people and tell them and the Holy Spirit moves on them and all of a sudden, man, you got 3,000 people that are saved that day. They, they follow through in believers' baptism because Peter said, because they asked Peter, what are we supposed to do now? And he says, repent, be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. And I gave the invitation last week. I said, anybody that wants to repent, be baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit, stand up. And there were many people that stood up and said, yes, indeed, that is me. That is what the Holy Spirit of God, that is what he is calling me to do right now. So they did. They surrendered their heart and life to Jesus Christ, and we celebrate that through baptism. And let me tell you something. None of the credit for that goes to Simple Church. None of the credit for that goes to this praise and worship band that is incredible and God is blessed with many talents. None of that goes to this feeble-minded preacher up here. None of the credit goes to any of those things. It all goes to Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that, that moved on people and continues to stir people in their hearts. And even today when I talk about it and I talk about people standing up, there are people in this room right now, as I'm speaking, they go, I know I was supposed to stand up. I know that I was supposed to be one of those that was supposed to say, yes, indeed, I need to surrender my heart and life to Jesus Christ. And as one person described it, they said, I couldn't make myself. It was like my butt was glued to the chair. I just couldn't make myself stand. There are many people that are in that same boat because they're afraid of what people will think about them. They will think, well, well somebody's going to say, well, you weren't a Christian. You surrendered your heart and life to Christ. You didn't do that before. You know what the reality of the gospel is? The reality of this message that Peter preached that day and the reality that we talk about every single day up here on when we preach God's word is this. Is that when the Holy Spirit of God moves on you, you're called to respond. And it doesn't matter what kind of opposition comes against you. We talked about last week how, how Peter and the disciples, man, they were in a place where... <laughs> Just days prior, they had said they denied that they even knew Jesus because they were afraid they'd be crucified just like he was. They were afraid that the flesh would be torn off their bones and their body. And these guys didn't care. They just said, it is worth it to me to say that this is a movement of God because of what I've seen and what I've heard and how the Holy Spirit of God has descended on me. And as we, as people that hear God's word, when the Holy Spirit moves on us, we're just called to respond and, and not care about what anybody says or does or thinks or any of that kind of garbage because all that will matter one day is your relationship with Jesus Christ and whether you, you professed him before men so that he can profess you before the Father. That is what will matter one day, I can assure you. Not what somebody you work with thinks or what somebody you know or your friends think. What will matter is Jesus Christ being number one in your life. That is the only thing that will matter. And I could not stand up here without saying those words again to reiterate the fact that it does not matter what other people say or think or do. What matters is you and Jesus. And I promise you one day, when you step from this life into the next, that is all that will matter when you're standing there face to face with him and having to give an account for your life. And I just... 
For me, I, I just cannot imagine having to stand there and go, well, Jesus, I wanted to profess you as Lord. I wanted to tell everybody that you were number one in my life, but I was afraid of what so-and-so might say about me at work. I hope that's not you. I hope I'm not speaking to you. But my guess is I probably am. We've been talking about this supernatural work that happens when the Holy Spirit comes into your heart, when God changes you from the inside out. That's what we talked about. I said, if you, if you think you're going to do it yourself, you're, you're dead wrong. If you think that you're going to be able to make yourself good enough, you think you're going to be able to make yourself change, it's not going to happen. You may be able to do some good stuff for a little while. You may, may be able to make some small changes for a little while, but they won't last. And they certainly won't last to eternity. You get what I'm saying? Like, like if, unless you have a heart change, you're going to be separated from God when you step from this life to the next. And, and your good works right now are not going to add up to anything unless you profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within you. And God gives you a brand new heart, makes you a new creation. And all of a sudden, you begin to be able to do things you couldn't do on your own. We talked about that's what happened with, with the disciples. That's what happened with, with Peter. Like, Peter was a coward, and he was afraid of everybody, and all this. And some little servant girl said, aren't you one of those, those people that hung out with Jesus? And she's like, no, that wasn't me. And all of a sudden, you see, days later, he's able to stand and preach, and 3,000 people come to Jesus. And the reason is, is because the work of the Holy Spirit, he was able to do something supernatural that he couldn't do on his own. Same thing for you. You try to do it on your own, you won't be able to. You might be able to make a few adjustments here or there, but you won't be able to change your life and become a new creation. You can't do that apart from the Holy Spirit. That's the reality. So here we're going to talk about what does that look like. Um, so we're going to go uh, to what Paul says to the church of Galatia. In Galatians chapter 5, if you want to go ahead and turn there, you're welcome to. If you want to look at it up on the screen like I'm going to do, you're welcome to do that too. Let me tell you a little bit about these folks. So you have these folks in the church of Galatia that are trying to say that there are some that are trying to infiltrate the church and say, well, in order for you to be a Christian, in order for you to be a Christ follower, you've got to be Jewish. That you've got to do all the things that the Jewish people do in order to be a Christ follower because Jesus came from the Jews. So therefore, in order to be a Christ follower, you've got to be like the Jews. All of these laws, these 600 laws or whatever that they tried to adhere to, these people were trying to say, you've got to adhere to these laws. And in particular, it was uh, the, one, the one law that related to circumcision that they were trying to say, and for you young folks that don't know what that is, you can go and ask your parents later, uh, but they were trying to say that in order for you to be a Christian, in order for you to be a Christ follower, you've got to be a Jew and you've got to be circumcised. Now, you want to talk about being hard to get people to stand up and admit that they want to be a Christ follower. You can imagine how difficult this would be if I said, all the guys that want to be a Christian, stand up now, we're going to circumcise you today. <laughs> I can imagine there would be a lot of folks that wouldn't be able to stand. They would be like, no, thank you. Uh, are you sure, uh, Kenny, I, I, have you prayed about this one? You know, Are you sure that this is what we need to do? Uh, you're going to need to pray a second time on that one before I'm willing to stand up. And, and so they were having this conversation, and people were trying to come in saying, well, in order to be a Christ follower, you must adhere to these laws. And Peter comes along and says, man, you got it all wrong. It's, it's, it's not like that. Now, anybody should be able to come to Christ, and it doesn't matter whether you're Jewish or not. It doesn't matter if you adhere to these Old Testament laws or not. Uh, this is what happens when the Holy Spirit comes into your life. There is fruit that comes from it. So we'll be in Galatians chapter 5 today, beginning in verse 13. Now, I know that there's, there's like a gap in your Bible, and it changes from verse 15 to 16. It says something else, and there's a little subtitle in there. You know, when Paul wrote this, he didn't have like little subtitles in there to tell you what was going on between one, to the, one verse to the next. 
He actually just kind of wrote a letter and told people. So sometimes it's good for us to go back between where those little spaces are. So we're going to do that. We're going to start in verse 13 today to kind of get a running start on this. For you have been called to live in freedom. Praise God we can live in freedom. You know, I mean, like, I feel like sometimes people try to, I don't, they make church in such a way that it doesn't feel like freedom. It feels like bondage. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't feel like, oh, this is good. I feel free today. It feels like, oh, I got to do this again today, you know? But Christianity and following Christ is freedom. And I can appreciate that here. I mean, I just appreciate the freedom that we have. And he says, my brothers and sisters, he's trying to connect with them. He's saying, man, you're just like me. You're brothers and sisters of mine. He says, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Uh Uh-oh. So we've got a sinful nature, right? So we get saved and we come to Christ and we're part of a church and we've still got a sinful nature. Yes, it's true. You do. It doesn't go away all of a sudden. It's not like you have shed your flesh and all of a sudden you don't have flesh anymore. You still got flesh. And until we leave this fleshly body and go to be with him in eternity, you're still going to have a sinful nature and one that you're going to have to fight battles against. He says, instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. That's good stuff, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said you can sum up everything and love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, here we got the whole law. This is what it's about. We don't have to make it something that's not. He said, but if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. He, he, says, he says, watch out. He says, he says, you're worried about the law so much that you're, you're like, you're trying to, to bite at one another. You're trying to devour one another. You're trying to, 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 to say this or say that about somebody else. And he's saying, don't you realize that the whole thing that we're supposed to do is love our neighbor as ourselves? And here you are trying to cut people off from being a Christian by saying they got to do this or they got to do that or they got to they adhere to these laws. And he's saying, no, man. Come on, don't you understand? We're supposed to love our neighbor. We're supposed to bring them into the kingdom, not cut them off from the kingdom. These people got to realize that, man, what, what God is trying to do in their lives through the work of the Holy Spirit is try to draw them in, not push them away. And, and there are too many Christians today that are trying so hard to push people away and they don't recognize it. And I think Paul would say to those people, he'd say, beware, watch out. You're pushing people away. You need to be bringing them in. How do you do that? How do you do that? We said that the Holy Spirit has been here since the beginning. And in Genesis 1-2, it says the, the Spirit of God hovered over the waters of the deep. So the Holy Spirit has been here. When, when you surrender your heart and life to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you and take up residence in your life and in your heart and change you from the inside out. And I said that I believe that the purpose of that is is so that we can be instruments of God to go out and share this good news and tell people they too can come into the kingdom and they too can experience this radical change it happens as a result of the Holy Spirit. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit changes us so that we can change others. God doesn't have to do that, but he chooses to. So this is what he says. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. I need, I don't, I don't have any tattoos. I don't like tattoos. I'm not a tattoo guy, but I think that would be good to get a tattoo. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. I told you guys that I am fanatical about following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, that I won't do anything unless the Spirit of God tells me to do it. I told you before, I said, when we were supposed to have youth services and a youth group and all that kind of stuff, and I I just said, nope, not yet. And they were like, what are you talking about? We're a church. You're supposed to have a youth group. 
said, no, not until God says, because God's the one that's going to orchestrate it, put it together, make it what it's going to be. So I'm not doing anything until God says go. And it drives people crazy. And I'm okay with that. People think I'm crazy. I'm okay with that too. I, I'm perfectly fine with you thinking I'm crazy, people out there thinking I'm crazy. You know what matters to me? Following the Holy Spirit of God. I, I, I'm crazy about it, all right? I am obsessed with this idea of following the Holy Spirit of God. Let it lead, let, let, I said it, there you go. Letting him lead my life. I am obsessed with the idea of letting the Holy Spirit be the guide for my life. That's what we need to do. Why are we not doing that? Do you have any idea? I don't know. I think it's because we're all control freaks. You know what I mean? Like, God is telling us in here, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, and you've given everything to him, and he is number one in your life, why are we not following the Holy Spirit? God is speaking to us. I mean, like, literally screaming to us in our ears about what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to live, and we just don't do it. I don't, I, don't, I don't get it, man. I don't, I don't understand. Obviously, his way is a lot better than our way, and we keep trying to do things our way. That doesn't sound like freedom to me. That sounds like bondage when I try to do things my way because I'm stupid. I know that about myself. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Oh, that's good. The sinful nature wants to do evil which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not undergoing, under obligation to the law of Moses. This is what he says. He says, you know all those laws that we tried to keep when we were back when we were you know, devout Jews and we were supposed to do this and supposed to do that and this law and that law and you weren't even supposed to you know, do hardly anything on, on the Sabbath because that would obviously be against God. And you remember when he was trying to do all that stuff? He says, you know what we really need to be doing? Because we are free now in Christ and he has given us the Holy Spirit of God to dwell within us, you know what we need to do? We just need to follow that Holy Spirit. We don't need to worry so much about all the laws and the rules and that sort of thing. The Holy Spirit will be your guide. Now, people say, what are you talking about? We're not supposed to read the Bible? No, that's not what I'm, supposed to, that's not what I'm saying. As a matter of fact, you're supposed to read the Bible. That way, the Holy Spirit can remind you of verses in the Bible that, that say, oh, this is what I'm not supposed to be doing. I remember reading that somewhere. I mean, it, your sinful nature is pulling you one direction, but the Holy Spirit is pulling you another and you know what God uses to remind you of, of which way you're supposed to go? He uses the Holy Spirit through the power of Scripture to say, this is what you're supposed to be doing. I, you can't even enjoy sin. The more Bible verses you memorize and know about what the Bible says, you can't even enjoy it anymore. It's like you can't even get into a good sin before God reminds you of five or six Bible verses that tells you what you're not supposed to be doing. It's like, man, I, this is awful, you know? That's the Holy Spirit of God. That's what he's doing. It's like, you know, this is what I say to do. Go do it. And the whole time our sinful nature is like, no, no, don't do that, man. It's, it's more fun over here. And you're like, okay, yes, this is good. And then you go, oh, no, I remember what it says. I remember what God's word says. And you're back over here and you're constantly at this tug of war. you constantly got this fight going on inside of you. If you are a Christian, you know what I'm talking about. You know the struggle that I'm talking about. It's like your sinful nature and the Holy Spirit that are inside of you butting heads all the time. And you're like, man, this is difficult. This is really, really hard. 
And that's the mantra of simple church. It's simple, but it ain't easy, you know? Like, it is, it's really simple what God says and what Jesus teaches us, but it ain't easy to do. It ain't easy to, to make it happen. And here, he says, follow the Holy Spirit. You got a sinful nature that's pulling you one direction, but you got the Spirit of God that's pulling you the other. Do you know which one's more powerful? I could let you guess. I think we could probably raise hands and people would probably guess the right way. God is always more powerful. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You ever heard that verse? Yeah. I repeat it every time before I get up here and preach the word of God because Satan is always in my ear going, you can't, you can't, you can't. There's no way. It's not going to happen. Nobody's going to hear what you're saying. Everybody's going to fall asleep. It's not going to work. Don't worry about it. Just sit right here and do nothing. That'll be better than you stand up there making an idiot out of yourself. And I go, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If you see me mouthing something, it doesn't look like the words that are up on the screen. That's because that's what I'm praying right there. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Constantly in my mind. If you want a Bible verse to memorize, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. When you're confronted with sin and your sinful nature is pulling you one way and the Holy Spirit is pulling you another, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Continue, continue, continue to let the Holy Spirit of God lead you. He says, if you do that, man, you're not under no obligation to the law of Moses. The Holy Spirit's going to guide you the right way anyway. When you follow the desires of the sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness with wild parties and other sins like these. That's a big list, isn't it? Maybe we should go over it again. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. I'm glad we don't struggle with those. I'm glad that we're Christians and we don't ever deal with any of that stuff. Outbursts of anger, not me, no. I I don't ever deal with that. I drive back and forth to Birmingham four days a week. I deal with outbursts of anger, let me tell you. Selfish ambition, good grief. Division, envy. I mean, you, you may say, man, I'll stay away from the big stuff up there. I guarantee there's some stuff up there that applies to you. I guarantee there's something up there that you go, hey, that's me. Maybe you need to take a hard look at that list and go, man, I wonder, I wonder how many of those I could highlight in my Bible and say, that's me. I guarantee you all of us are up there. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying, well, if you're a Christian, you don't deal with any of these. No, I'm telling you, if you're a Christian, you realize you deal with these. See, people that aren't Christians, they don't, they don't really notice this, right? People that, that aren't worried about whether or not they follow Jesus or if they're a Christian or any of that kind of stuff, they, they, they just say, man, that's just life. That's just the way life is. For as Christians, the Holy Spirit of God starts to convict you and starts to draw things out in your mind and your heart, and he starts to dwell. He starts to, to, to kind of bring up things in your heart and try to, try to wring them out. You know, it's like a washcloth trying to wring them out of your life, man. And as the Holy Spirit just kind of clenches down your heart, man, he's trying to get that stuff out. That's why you can't sin and enjoy it. It's because the Holy Spirit of God is, is saying, pointing these things out in your life, saying, man, you can't enjoy that. You're not following the Holy Spirit. You're not following me. You're following the sinful nature. By the way, you know how I brought up the fact that the Holy Spirit is a he? 
A sinful nature is an it. The Holy Spirit's a he. He is greater than it, right? So here we see all of these things, and we're like, man, yeah, I deal with some of those. He says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. What is he saying there? Does that mean that if I slip up and I got one of these things in my life, if I, if I slip up and something happens, I go to a wild party or I indulge in drunkenness or a, uh, I've got sexual immorality or impurity in my life because I've looked at pornography or, or what have you, does that mean I won't inherit the kingdom of God? I think what Paul's trying to drive home here is if that is the picture of your life, then it is obvious that the Holy Spirit of God does not dwell within you. If that is the recurring picture of your life and this, this is you, then it's obvious the Holy Spirit of God does not dwell within you. And because the Holy Spirit does not dwell within you, that means you're not a Christian. You're not a follower of Jesus. Because when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within you, it changes things. It changes your perspective. If you can do these things and it not bother you, you need to get saved. You need to put your faith and trust in Jesus and come to Jesus Christ. Or you will not inherit the kingdom of God. I can't sugarcoat that. I can't like water that down and say, well, this is what it really means. This is what it really means. If that's the picture of your life, then you're not saved. You can't inherit the kingdom of God. I can't change the words. That's what it says. This is a God-breathed word, and he says that if, if that is the kind of life that you live, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let's go on. But, there's that word again, but. The Holy Spirit produces a kind of fruit, our, uh, this kind of fruit in our lives, joy, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and desires to their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another to be jealous of one another. Let's go back to the previous slide and leave that up on the screen there. Love, joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So I got to thinking about these things. This is the fruit of the Spirit, right? I know that in, in, in Jewish culture, in Jewish history, they always like to, to try to put things in groups of threes. Like threes were always, they, if they really wanted you to hear something, they would say it three times. I, when I started reading this, I couldn't help but to put it in groups of threes. Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Think about these things in groups of threes. Love, joy, peace. That pertains to you, right? That, that's what happens to you, right? So what happens to you is when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within you, when the Comforter comes, there's love, there's joy, and there's peace in your life. And that's about you. And it's good what happens, man. When you to be filled with love, to be filled with joy, to be filled with peace, those are very good things. And it is unlike you can describe. If you put your faith in Jesus, let me tell you something. Uh, it, it is like, you know, people talk about a monkey on your back. It is like 100,000 monkeys that come off your back, you know? Like when you eventually say, I surrender everything, and Jesus is number one in my life, and not me anymore, not my will, but thy will be done. When you say that, like there's something so 
overwhelming about the, the sense of peace and joy and love that covers you and you're like, I cannot wrap my mind around that. There is so many people that when I talk to them, it's like, how do you feel right now? You just said, Jesus, I give my life to you. Jesus, you're everything to me. I don't care about me anymore. And they're like, I can't describe it. I, 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 I keep having tears come to my eyes and, and I, I keep just wanting to fall down and just praise God and worship God. And they're just like, it's indescribable. Love, joy, peace. When somebody dies in your life and you're a follower of Jesus, you know what you experience? If that person was a Christian, especially, you feel love, joy, peace. It's like, man, how was he able to do that in the midst of tragedy? It's supernatural. Supernatural doesn't make sense. If we could wrap our minds around it, it wouldn't be supernatural. If it made sense to us, it wouldn't be supernatural. I can remember distinctly when my daughter was having her first brain surgery because there was a tumor in her head, and they cut her from here to here pulled the skin on her forehead down over her face, removed the bone right here in her forehead to remove the tumor that was the size of an orange from her head. I can remember distinctly when she was in the operating room and I felt an overwhelming sense of peace that I could not describe. All I could do was cry, not because I was fearful, but because I was overcome with peace Love and joy that I, it did not make sense. It does not make sense for a person to be able to do that in the midst of your daughter's brain to be exposed to the, the air. It just, that doesn't make sense. Love, joy, peace. That's what happens to us. Patience, kindness, goodness. Patience, kindness, goodness. That's, that's how we interact with the world, right? To, to non-believers, to, to everybody. Believers and non-believers alike, as a matter of fact. Patience, kindness, goodness. We, that's how we're supposed to, to behave towards one another, right? You're like, well, some people are really hard to be patient with you. I understand, okay? I get that. But that's what we're supposed to do. And when the Holy Spirit of God comes in and transforms your life, it becomes easier to do that. I'm not saying that like it's really easy to be patient with everybody because some folks are crazy. I understand that. But what I am saying is that when the Holy Spirit transforms you on the inside, it's like all of a sudden it becomes easier to be patient with people and show goodness towards people, kindness towards people. It, it's like all of a sudden, man, there's, you don't, the stuff that you used to be bitter about and angry about, you're not as bitter or angry about anymore. I, I, I wish I could tell you, well, this is the reason it happens. All I can say, it is the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within you that does that and makes you all of a sudden be able to communicate with people that you used to not be able to talk to. All of a sudden, you have, you have patience and goodness and kindness in your heart that you can't explain, and you pour that out on other folks. So if you look at it, so you got us and them, and then you got the third group of three, which is the how. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's how you do it. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness. Revelation 2.10 it says, be faithful to the end, and I will give you a crown of life. Gentleness. First uh, Peter 3.15, he says, always be ready to give an account for the hope that lies within you and be able to tell them with gentleness and with respect. That's the how. That's the how. Self-control. 2 Timothy 1.7, God did not give us a, a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. That's the how. So you've got us, you got them, and you got the how. 
all because of the Holy Spirit. All because of the Holy Spirit, what he does in our lives, how he's moving on their lives, and how we connect the gap between us and them. That's how. That's the how. Now, let me, let me share something with you. We gotta, this is not going to be up on the screen, but I want to share something out of Luke chapter 6. Because some of you may be asking the question, Kenny, it sounds like what you're telling me is that good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. Nope. That would be wrong. Well, how is it then, Kenny, that, 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 that there are people that don't know Jesus, they don't have the Holy Spirit, and yet they're able to do good things? I would say this. I would say that you can, you can do good things for a little while. And yes, there are even some good people out there. Some people are not malicious or, or, or vindictive. We went to, to Haiti for a mission trip, and I can tell you that for the most part, the people there were very good people. They didn't really do violent crime. Uh, we, we worked at an orphanage, and I asked some of the leaders at the orphanage, I said, do you see a lot of sexual abuse for kids coming in to live in this orphanage? Because they would just take them in and care for them. And the guy said, that's really not the way people live around here. You, you might see that on occasion, but in general, uh, that's not what you see. You don't see that. These are very moral people. They just have no knowledge of Jesus, which is why we were there trying to tell them the goodness that comes with the Spirit of God. And, and, and let me tell you something. You can try to do some good stuff for a little while, but what matters is the overflow of the heart. You see, the overflow of the heart is what speaks. The overflow of the heart is what happens in your life. And that's what we're going to read here in Luke chapter 6. We're talking about fruit, right? So it says in Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 43, I just want to read this to you. It's not on the screen for a reason. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are neither gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes not picked from uh, bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and the evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from from what is in your heart. This is what he says. This is what Jesus, as he's talking... So remember when I said all those things are up on the screen? I said, do you ever have these that creep into your life, these bad things, evil things that creep into your life? So if you look at a tree, and a majority of the tree has bad fruit on it, but every once in a while you see a good piece of fruit. Here, there may be 30 pieces of fruit on the tree, but there's one good piece, and then there's one good piece over here. And you're like, was that a good tree or a bad tree? I think if you were to look at a tree that had mostly bad fruit on it, you'd say, that's a bad tree. This is not me saying that, that in our lives that we're supposed to be allowing bad fruit to happen in our lives. That's not what I'm saying. But if you look at a good tree, and it's got 30 pieces of good fruit on it, and then one or two bad pieces of fruit on it, you would say, well, that's, that's probably a good tree. The majority, the overview, the, the, the overall picture of this tree is that it's a good tree, even though it may have one or two pieces of bad fruit in it, it's still a good tree. For the most part, it produces good fruit. So as people are are examining their life, they're trying to figure out, am I a bad tree or a good tree? It's the overflow of the heart is what Jesus says. He says that you got to look at the heart. You got to look at the heart. See, Jeremiah says that the the, the heart is wickedly evil and deceitful above all things. See, see the heart heart can, can deceive you. 
The heart can make you think that, 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 that you are a good tree when indeed you are a bad tree. That there is not good fruit coming from your life. That there is not the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And I'm not saying there can't be one or two bad pieces of fruit. But I'm saying what happens is when there is a heart change. When the, the heart is different. When the heart is different, the tree produces good fruit. The tree produces good fruit. And there's so many people trying to do it the other way around. There's so many people that are trying to straighten up their fruit without getting the heart right. There's so many people trying to say, well, I'll get my life straightened out. I'll do this and I'll do that. And then things will be good. And then, and then I'll come to Christ. And I'm like, I said this last week and I'll say it again. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. People are trying to do it all backwards and trying to get the fruit before the heart. And it's like, Jesus says, no, it starts with the heart. And it starts with the surrender that happens in the heart. It starts with saying, yes, I recognize my heart is, is deceitful and wicked above all things. It starts with you acknowledging that, yes, Jesus Christ, making him number one in my life, is the only way. And yes, as we do that, as we take steps of obedience toward Jesus, toward the things of God, then there's this transformative work that happens as a result of the Holy Spirit just continuing to do these great things in our life. I had a conversation yesterday with my buddy Rusty, and I was trying to tell him about Jesus, and I was talking to him, and we were having this great conversation, and, and I, said, I said, you know, the thing I see with most people is, with me, with anybody, is, is that first step's always the hardest. Isn't that, isn't that always the hardest thing, is, is that first step, taking that first step? Like, it always seems like if I'm going somewhere, getting off my rear end and doing something is like the hardest thing. But once I do that, then I'm like, oh, wow, this is good. But for some reason, that first step is always the hardest. The same way with the Christian life. The same way with following Jesus, and that is that first step is always the hardest. Stepping out and saying, yes, I want to be a Christ follower. Stepping into the water saying, yes, this is my public profession of Jesus Christ as number one in my life. It's always the hardest. And that's why so many people don't do it. That's why so many people don't do it. They're not willing to take that first step. They're not willing to say, yes, I want the heart to change so I can take these other steps of obedience and following Jesus. It goes on to say in this, in verse 46, it says, Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? If he's not Lord in your life, you're not doing what he says. If you're not doing what he says, he's not Lord in your life. Right? If you're not taking that first step, just coming closer to Jesus... To, to say a no to yourself and yes to Jesus, then he's not Lord in your life. He's not Lord in your life. It, it bothers me deeply. And I, I woke up at 1 o'clock last night and stayed up till about 3.30 this morning thinking about the people that they won't surrender. They won't say yes to Jesus. And it, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking for me. It, it's heartbreaking for me. Um... Why do we keep saying, Lord, Lord, if we won't do what he says? Maybe today, maybe you'll say yes. Maybe you'll say, yes, I will do 
what the Lord is calling me to do, what his Holy Spirit is calling me to do. I want to be transformed, renewed, become a new creation in Christ. I want the fruit of the Spirit to dwell richly in my life, and I want people to see that and know that, and they'll say, the only reason that's happening because he is a Christ follower. The Holy Spirit of God can be the only explanation for why he or she is doing the things that they're doing, why this love pours so richly from their life, why there's such peace and joy in their life, and why they approach me with such patience and goodness and kindness. Well, they have such faithfulness towards the Word of God and to be in a church and to, to love it on other people, how they're able to approach me with gentleness, how they have so much self-control over these things that I don't have self-control over. God wants His Holy Spirit to dwell richly within you so you can do these things and it all point to Him so that more people will come to Him. See, God doesn't want people to go to hell. He doesn't want that to happen. It is not His desire that any should perish, but all come to repentance. He wants people to come to him. And he wants to use us. He wants to use us. He wants us to obey him and follow these things where the Holy Spirit is leading us to do these things and not tell people there's a bunch of rules, but show them what it means to have the Holy Spirit of God living within you. To show them what it means to have love, joy, peace, kindness, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He wants us to see, he wants us to show people these things. They can see it in our lives. You know who the, the standard is, right? It's not the person sitting next to you. It's not the person standing on the stage. Say, I'm supposed to do these things. I follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. What, what's the standard? Jesus Christ. That's why it's got to be a supernatural work because you can't get there on your, on your own by yourself. It has to be Supernatural. If he's the standard, the only way you're going to be able to get there is through a supernatural work. Maybe today, maybe God's calling you. He says, you know what, you didn't stand last Sunday. Yeah, I, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to give another chance for people to stand. Um, and maybe nobody will stand. Or maybe everybody will stand. Either way, I just pray that you follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. If God is calling you to stand for him and his kingdom and you want to surrender your heart and life to Jesus Christ and say yes to Jesus and no to me, if you want to make him number one, priority one in your life and say, yes, God, I can feel your Holy Spirit calling me and drawing me and I, I, just, I need to surrender everything to you so that I can experience the goodness you have in store for my life and so I can experience eternity. If that's you, I'm going to give you a chance to stand in just a minute. Let me pray first. God, there are people, Lord, I believe there are people that you're calling to your kingdom right now. God, you tell us that if we would draw near to you, you would draw near to us. So God, maybe somebody needs to take a stand for you and for your kingdom today. Maybe somebody today needs to say, yes, I surrender everything in my life to Jesus Christ and they are so moved by your Holy Spirit. And what your Holy Spirit is, it's just causing them to ache in their heart. It's what your Holy Spirit, God, what he is doing, it's just overwhelmed their hearts right now because their heart's about to beat out of their chest. Maybe that is somebody here. Lord, there are people that didn't stand last week, and maybe they said they should have. God, I pray for that person right now. I pray that they have boldness and courage. God, and they would remember just these simple words above all else, that God loves them. That they are loved by a holy God who can forgive them of anything that's happened in their past. That even though they feel unlovable, they feel like they're not capable of being loved. God, that you are capable of that. 
and you want to do that, and you want to pour out your grace on them lavishly, God, but they've just got to say yes to you. So, God, if that person is sitting here today, and they need to do that, I pray that they would have boldness today and courage for your kingdom. God, thank you so much. Lord, thank you so much for this gospel and the good news. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And we give you the chance. If you didn't stand last week, you know you should have. If God, if you weren't here last week and God has impressed upon your heart that you need to do this, you need to commit your life to Christ, be bold. I'm going to count to three. One. If God is speaking to you and His Holy Spirit is just poured out on you and your heart is just about to beat out of His chest and you don't know what to do, let me tell you something. You don't have to know all the details. All you have to know is saying yes to Jesus and the work happens in you too. God is calling you. I pray that you be bold. And you won't care what anybody else says or thinks. You'll just say yes to Jesus because he is number one. And you care more about what he thinks than what anybody else thinks. Three, would you please stand if that's you? If God's calling you to stand. Stand now. Stand now. Now's your chance. If you didn't stand before, if you didn't stand last week, and you say, I know I was supposed to stand, stand now. God loves you. He wants to rescue you. He wants to pull you out of that place. Will you stand? Will you stand? Oh, I wish you wouldn't be afraid. I'm so thankful for the ones that have stood, and I'm so proud of your courage and your boldness, but there's somebody that was supposed to stand. Will you stand now? You may say, God, if you'll give me one more chance, if he'll say, if he'll say it one more time, then I'll stand. If that's you, will you stand? Is it you? Will you stand? God, give me one more chance and I'll stand. Just one more chance and I'll stand. Is that you? Thank you. Thank you. We're going to do what we did last week. We're going to have believers pile around you, lay their hands on you, and we're going to pray over you. And we're going to pray that God will save your soul, that, that as you commit your life to following Jesus, that he'll do a supernatural work in you and he will change your life from the inside out. We, we gather around these people. You just put your hands on these people and say, I just want to love you because you are in the family of God now. You're one of my brothers. You're one of my sisters now. This is a time of celebration. This is a time where we get to say, yes, Jesus, yes, thank you for bringing brothers and sisters to you. Just put your hand on somebody in front of you, somebody that is touching that person. Whatever you can do to reach out to somebody. Let me pray. Father, God in heaven, our creator and the master of all things, God, I praise your holy name for these people, for these people that are now brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God. It has taken a great deal of courage for them to stand in front of all of these people. I know how scary that can be and intimidating that can be. God, I praise your name for their boldness. God, thank you so much for your Holy Spirit and how your Holy Spirit has continued to work on these hearts. God, thank you so much, Father, for saving these souls today. God, and then for that person that didn't stand, God, they're still sitting there. I do pray, Lord, that you would continue to work on them. God, we know that there could be a day when enough is enough and, and the end comes and they didn't say yes. God, I pray that you would be patient. God, you wouldn't let that happen until they say yes. God, 
We know that you're a patient God. Lord, I just pray for that person. I pray that their end wouldn't come, Lord, before they say yes. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your spirit and how he has just moved in this place and moved over people's lives. God, I pray, Lord, that these people, when they come down in just a few minutes and we show them how they can be a Christ follower, I pray, Lord, that they would just embrace the truth of your word and they would proclaim you before men and just proclaim your name as number one in their lives. God, thank you so much for these people. In Jesus' name, amen. You go back to your seats. Just remain standing. Because some people just need to be prayed for. Some people have got family members that don't know Jesus. And some people have got brothers and sisters and friends and co-workers and people at school that they know that they, you know that the obvious appearance of their life is that there's no fruit in their life. The Spirit of God does not dwell within them. Maybe you need to come and pray for that person. Or maybe there's heartache in your life and you know that the only way you can find peace is to come down at an altar or, or come down here and just fall on your face before God and say, God, I need peace that only you could provide. Or maybe, just maybe, there's somebody that needs to give their life to Christ and they want to do that. I pray that they would find me. I would love to grab them and hold them and hug them and tell them how they can know Jesus. I pray that that would happen. God, whatever you need to do in these people's lives, Lord, however you need to, to work and, and, and just move, I pray that you would do that. I pray that people wouldn't look with speculation. If somebody comes down here to pray, Lord, I pray that they would look with, as brothers and sisters, looking on a, a hurting brother or sister and say, I want to be there for you. I, as your brother or sister in Christ, I want to be there and hold you and pray with you. God, sometimes we just need to come down here to worship you. Sometimes we just need to come down here and say, God, you are almighty and you are number one in my life and I praise your name for what you're doing in my life whatever people need to, to come and do and how they just need to work with you and, and God let the Holy Spirit work in their lives and bring healing and peace and all of those things God I pray that that would happen God be glorified in our time with just being obedient to you God we love you in Jesus name Amen